The Comrades Marathon is described as the ultimate human race. It's 54 miles and it alternates each year between Durban, which is called the up version, and Peter Maritzburg, which is the down version. It started in 1921 and has, has some extraordinary records about it. I've put in the show notes a link to the, uh, to the Comrades Marathon. So if you are thinking, if you're listening to this and you're a runner, an ultra runner, and you haven't ticked off the Comrades Marathon on your to-do list, then have a listen to this episode. This features a guy called Trevor Nell. Now, Trevor has run the Comrades Marathon 10 times, 10 successive years, few years ago now, but he's going to talk about all the things he learned about running the Comrades Marathon and fill in some detail for you as well. He's very knowledgeable about the whole thing. He's also a businessman as well. And so some of the things that he's learned from running the Comrades Marathon apply to business as well. So I'm sure lots of you listening to this are also business people as well. So just to give you a bit of background to the Comrades Marathon, um, if you want to, if you want to enter, by the way, then um, you have to now, I understand, looking at the website, you have to prove that you can run a recognised marathon in 4.50 or less. There are five cut-off points and there are five big hills. And I think you've got 12 hours to complete it. But as Trevor says during the podcast, there are about a thousand hills on this course. <laughs> there are some extraordinary people who've run this, though. Barry Holland and Louis Massian who've run it 47 successive times from 1973 to the last run in, in 2019. And 300,000 runners have completed it. And it all started because there was a guy called Vic Clapham. And he wanted to commemorate the South African soldiers who had been killed in World War I. And he himself had been marched 2,500 kilometres as a prisoner of war. So he was the one who got it all going in 1921. And there were 47 people took part in that first race. Well, there were 47 entries. 34 made it to the start line. 16 made it to the finish line. And the winner was a guy called Bill Rowan in 8 hours, 59 minutes. And the course record now, for the fastest course bit, is 5.24. And what Trevor will also talk about are the green numbers. And you get a green number if you complete 10 Comrades Marathons. And it's your number, and it's your number for life. And you can, I think, as he'll explain, pass it on to your family if you want to as well. But So no one else runs in that number. So if your number, whatever it is, say 216, then there'll never be anybody else taking part in the race with number 216 except for you. And that all started in 1972, they introduced that. So, without further ado, let's meet Trevor, and this is going to be a lively podcast. You're going to enjoy this. Trevor's got a lot of stuff to share with you. He's, he's a great character. I met him when I was uh, speaking at a conference in South Africa, virtually in April, talking about 44 at 60, um, with so many other runners as well. Some great, great stuff as well. So, I'll put all the links in the show notes. Let's meet Trevor. So... Trevor Nell, welcome to the Running 44 at 60 podcast. Thank great you, Trevor. To, great to have you on the show. Trevor, would you like to give, your, give our listeners a bit of an overview about you and, um, and, and your life and your career and your, and your running as well? 
Oh, my goodness. Um, okay, so uh, I'm a young 66, going on 67-year-old. Um, you can see I, I permanently wear my cap, and that's just to keep my hair under control. Uh, I have none of it. Um, and um, let me see, I've got 20x on the cap. Uh, because I head up a local chamber of commerce here called the Community Chamber of Commerce in Johannesburg. Uh, I'm also founder of an operation called Wisdoms, uh, the World Center for Life and Business Success. Uh, and 20X is really um, just to remind everyone that in the 2020s, we can no longer think 10X exponential. Uh, we actually have to double that. Uh, so we've gone 20X uh, exponential in the 2020s. Uh, so we drive businesses to think about uh, doing things unlike you've ever done before. Uh, there's tons of opportunities out there. Uh, and we ask people to consider putting in more and more effort and hopefully more and more uh, time into your leisure activities. So uh, we've really got to enhance everything that we do 20X. Uh, that's what we're doing. What else? Uh, my background and career. Um, many years ago, I built up one of the largest education franchises in the, in the country, sold that out into a listed organization. I then ended up on a variety of boards as either advisor or, or shareholder in those companies. I set up a company called Growth Holdings, uh, then uh, set up Growth Protected Investments. We did about 2.1 billion in total transaction value. Uh, I headed up a publishing operation, a built-up operation called It's So Simple. In the 2000s, I took on a community here. We had huge security problems here in Johannesburg, South Africa. I took a bankrupt operation and turned that into a billion rand revenue generating operation. So I've been doing a couple of, uh, <laughs> a couple of small things, uh, Trevor. Um, and that's got me to 67. Uh, I'm now um, controlled by my 12-year-old granddaughter who gives me problems to just walk past because COVID has put them all out of school and she controls my life on a daily basis. <laughs> Well, talking of 20, uh, Trevor, we met on the 20th of April because uh, I was very uh, honoured to be uh, one of the guest speakers at your Wisdoms Conference that day. And uh, I felt very humbled by the, uh, you know, to be alongside the likes of Harry Botha and people like that who had extraordinary stories to tell. Um, but um, more on that later, I'm sure. So what a day, Trevor. It was one of the most fantastic summits. And, and we've held plenty of summits over this, this COVID lockdown period. What a fantastic day. It was indeed. It was, it was absolutely tremendous. Um, so anyway, we're here to talk to our, you know, and share with our listeners your, your knowledge and experience of the, well, what, I, what I've read is the, uh, the world's, you know, oldest um, Ultra marathon, the Comrades Marathon, started in 1921. So, Trevor, tell us about the Comrades Marathon, and then I know you've been you've run it a few times as well. So, would, I'm just intrigued to know all about it. Well, I just want to give your listeners uh, an absolute warning: don't listen to a thing that I say uh, <laughs> about running and training and comrades. Um, I have run it uh, ten times. Um, and uh, so I'll just share some of my insights there. And you just break in whenever you can, because I know you've done a ton of work. Um, so <laughs> uh, uh, just uh, and in preparation, uh, I, I just I'm amazed at how much work you put in behind these these uh, broadcasts of yours. Uh, so, Trevor, uh, look, 
um, you know, I, I ran my first comrades when, or it was back in 1978. Um, but I, I must be quite honest, back in those days here in South Africa, all of us who lived down in the Durban Peter Maritzburg area uh, were entranced by the adventure of running 90 kilometers from Maritzburg to Durban and then turning around the next year and running from Durban uphill um, all the way to uh, Peter Maritzburg. And, and very many of us then were, you know, we weren't pros of any kind. We were just, and I called us and our running groups, uh, very good social runners. Uh, and out of those came some, some pretty competitive individuals, but I would class myself as being in uh, the pretty good social running groups. Uh, and I happened to, prior to that, I, uh, you know, I was playing a pretty good water polo at provincial level and traveling, traveling around. I uh, was lucky enough to travel overseas and play uh, international teams in water polo. I loved my rugby and cricket. Um, I would uh, love to have played really good rugby. My heart rate was um, when I was really sprinting flat out, full time was about 48. I uh, couldn't get it any higher, for goodness sake. Um, so I uh, really had a good heart and, and was very strong. And then we happened to be in the army because in those days, obviously, we were involved in the bush war. Um, and uh, so some of us were called up and conscripted for many a year. Uh, so we would go up into the bush and come down here. Uh, and we would spend a lot of our time either in the surf or paddling on the rivers. Uh, and Doozy got my interest uh, in a canoe and I was paddling with a couple of youngsters. And while um, I was actually training with one of my paddling partners, um, hmm, uh, I remember it was a practice that was called off uh, and I'd never run more than about 2.5 kilometers that was uh, sort of um, uh, training for being in the army and uh, the, the training, the rugby session had been called off and down below on a hockey field in Pinetown, people who know this area uh, will recognize it, quite a big sports complex in those days, I saw a couple of guys running around the field. The rest of my rugby guys were sitting in the change room and I thought, no man, um, how can we actually not train in the rain? Uh, you guys know all about it over there where you are. Oh, well, we certainly uh, do. <laughs> yeah, so, so I thought, no, let me go and run with these guys because um, I knew them, they were paddling in the river and they turned around to me and said, no, listen, we, we're training for comrades in about six weeks time. We're doing a, a 42 kilometer run on Sunday. Why didn't you come and join us. Uh, so I played uh, the match on the Saturday. I joined them on the Sunday just for a giggle. Um, and we finished this blooming 42 kilometer run in four hours. Um, I'm not going to tell, tell your folks that I couldn't walk for a couple of weeks afterwards. Um, <laughs> and uh, also at that time, if I, if I remember, we didn't actually have to um, uh, qualify to run a comrades. Nowadays, you have to, um, because there's so many people who do want to run it. So you have to do qualifiers. In those days, you didn't, you didn't have to. Um, and they said, well, look, you did this thing um, of uh, zero training and excuse dogs, I'm babysitting them over COVID if you get to hear them in the background. Um, and, and uh, you know, 
about four weeks later, Comrades was due to uh, due to go, and I was there at the start of Comrades. We put an entry in. It was about ten days before the blooming event. I think, if I can recall, there were oh, probably just less than about three thousand odd people um, running Comrades in in that day when I ran, um, and I was at the start. And, and the, yeah, and the giggle the giggle about that. Uh, was that about halfway along, in fact, more than three quarters of the way along, I think we were in in about the top 200 in the field. Uh, and yeah, here's a guy who eight weeks before hadn't run further than about 2.2, 2.5 kilometers. I, um, I, I, could, I could see why now you're suggesting our listeners don't necessarily follow your uh, your preparation techniques. I, I, so <laughs> two, don't two listen. Mile, two miles to 54 miles in eight weeks. That That is and, impressive. <laughs> Don't listen, don't listen to a word that I say about training and preparation in this. I'm the worst advice you will ever follow. But it was a lot of fun. So, um, But anyway, at, at the top of this Elveston Hill, uh, we came across a guy who had his green number. Uh, and it was the most amazing thing. And we knew him. Uh, Bobby Holland was his name. I remember it. And he turned around and said, what the hell are you guys doing here? We were actually running through the mist. It was so early. Um in, in the race, we were going so well. Uh, and this guy was a silver medal finisher and we were up with him and we were feeling good. And he said, guys, you don't know what's coming. Um, and so, <laughs> and so he said, he advised us, do yourself a favor. It's your first one, just slow down. And we did. So we slowed down and instead of running in with him in under seven and a half hours, we came in at nine hours, uh, 10 minutes for a guy who'd done hardly any training at all. Had just run one standard marathon um, with sore legs for two weeks and a bit of four weeks recovery. Uh, that wasn't too bad. Uh, and then I'll tell you the story later on. Um, about how I thought I could win the race the next year. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> so I'll tell you about my training that I did there. Mm. So that was that was your first one. I think what would be useful to note, you mentioned Barry Holland. Now, my research shows that Barry Holland has run the Comrades 47 successive times from uh, 1973 up to 2019, which I assume was the last one when it was run. And a, a guy called Louis Massian, is that how you say his name? Massain, Massain, yes. Louis Massain, the same thing. So, um, yeah. so you mentioned earlier, and, you know, again, for our, our listeners who are not familiar with it, you mentioned about, you know, the up and the down, you know, from Durban one week, Peters Marisberg the next year. Uh, Durban one year, Peters Marisberg the next year, and so it alternates the start and one one's slightly uphill and one slightly downhill then, is it? Well, do me a favour, you clearly have not been over this course have you Trevor? No, not at all no. <laughs> There's no such thing as one slightly uphill and one slightly downhill <laughs> this, this, traverses, this traverses over an area called the Valley of a Thousand Hills and they miscounted. Right. Yeah, it's a valley of 10,000 hills. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's slow drip torture over uh, some of the, the steepest undulating hills you can actually find. No, it's, uh, it's quite an incredible race. Um, and, and you would think uh, going uh, uphill um, from Durban uh, to, to Peter Maritzburg, uh, it would be all uphill. But there are plenty of downs and vice versa as well. Uh, but I must say the, the upper run from Durban is hard on uh, your thighs. Listen, and I, you see, I'm, uh, what are they, quads? 
Um, so I'm really no special at, uh, specialist at all. Uh, in fact, I must tell you, we borrowed blooming running shoes to get in. If I had to tell you what running shoes we had and what my mates ran in, um, uh, stokies and slippers in the early days, uh, you'll see that um, we're certainly not as sophisticated as you are, Trevor, or perhaps your listeners here. And what this will do is give them fantastic hope for actually completing what is known as the ultimate human race. I just love that title for it. Yeah, uh, it's great, I, isn't it? I think it's, it's absolutely great. correct. But coming down uh, from Maritzburg to Durban, I must say um, that uh, the downhills uh, after the upside, definitely jar your knees. And, and at 67 years of age, uh, now I really struggle uh, with my knees. And I think, it, I think it came from those days. If you run those heels down hard, it jars on your knees. It's really hard um, so you, on so the body. You, so you did the first one, Trevor, and then you, uh, I think you, you did several more and you aspired to try and win it then, you said. No, what, what actually happened that first <laughs> one is quite, it's quite a giggle. So um, I was a pretty good swimmer, obviously water polo player, and then uh, had done the doozy, um, uh, which is a 120 kilometer race from Maritzburg to Durban. Um, and we'd done quite well then with my partner. I think we came in about 12th. So uh, when my mates said, come and do the comrades, uh, that then entitled you to be called an Ironman. Uh, so when I did my, my first Ironman uh, and realized that I could run these type of uh, distances as opposed to paddling them, um, I thought, hey, uh, if I could do that 9, 10 on hardly any training, what if I train the next year? Uh, so in short, I did a thousand kilometers. I, I mean, that's unheard of. And I was super fit. And what happened is about three days before the event, um, a mate of ours, he was a Springbok captain, uh, actually passed away from influenza he had uh, of his heart. So he was super fit um, and he was cycling from um, Schlonger Rocks and he died uh, on his bike. And I happened to uh, get uh, similar inflammation about three days before that. Um, and I thought, okay, no, well, that's, that would be stupid because I'll probably die too. Um, and my mate rocked up um, with a newspaper to say, hey, Nell and who was it, Murray, are vying it out for first place for the Ironman title. This was the second year. Uh, so I actually got up out of bed to get to the start, which was down in Durban, I think, that year. And I thought, all right, well, I'm here. Let me see if I can run this flu out. Uh, and I ran at a pace that had me hitting the wall. Uh, about two hours later, I was running at a fantastic pace, absolute unknown, um, and uh, but I was going way beyond my, and I, I wasn't well, and I hit the wall, and I think I uh, almost walked the rest of the way. I'd done about 25 kilometers on the run when I hit the wall, and I walked the rest of the way, and I think I made it with still 15 minutes to spare, uh, so that's how well I'd done, but then I resolved, so you can see how my mind goes, never ever to run any not 100 meters with any serious intent ever again. Um, and and that's how that's how I did my remaining um, uh, comrades. So I think I did about eight or nine. Uh, in fact, it was funny. My my final year that I was going to get to my tenth. I'm I'm gonna, sh I'm gonna show you guys. Do you see that? I mean, that's yeah. when you get hooked. When you get hooked on this thing, you get a green a green badge. That's what people want. Right. Um, 
And, so, to, to the listeners um, who are listening to this and not sh- watching on the video, Trevor's just oh. shown his number. Which can you just show us that again, Trevor? So you are number. Yes, that's that's now, your me. green number is three five two seven. Now, am I right in thinking that if you ever ran the comrades again, you would always have that number, and no one else would ever have that number in, in perpetuity? In so, perpetuity. so if, even if you're not running, number three five two seven won't won't run either. Quite correct. Okay, and and if ever in the next 50, 60 years, family members want to do it, they can apply and they can run to represent the family number sort of scenario. Oh, okay, uh, that's a neat yeah. idea. And what was exciting about that is uh, that uh, we built up, uh, my partner and I built up uh, 10 Ironman titles. He became number one. He's my senior by 10 years. And I became number two in perpetuity in in the Ironman series, which is very similar to that. So, wow, fantastic. Uh, yeah, so we're, ex- we're excited about that. And and we giggle about it because we're, we're just social competitors, you know. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. So, um you did you you did 10 is that how many you did then trevor in the end yeah i started 11 uh my final one i i, I was silly because i had a rugby game the day before uh and i completely damaged my knee and i still got to the start and said well let me give it a go but it was uh, ridiculous this is not this is not a race and uh, not to be prepared for I, I mean i had the arrogance of youth uh, on my side in the first couple of days uh, but listen if you haven't got youth on your side um and arrogant enough to get out there and just flatten those heels do yourself a favor train for the blooming thing um, yeah. now i'm uh, tell us there's a couple of things i want to i wanted you to tell me about one is the is the green number champagne breakfast so I, I read something in your post about that. So yeah, tell us about that. Uh, no, so uh, so that was a, a bit of a family giggle um, because in my last two runs, I, I actually bought into an education company up here. I told you it became uh, the largest education franchise in the country and I sold it out. Um, so uh, what my wife and I did, because we used to love to get together down in hotels with all of our running mates, and we would, we would go off and meet on a social on a Sunday and have champagne if we could. They used to run. I used to jump in the car and slip past them and go and prepare uh, the meals for them. I, I told you, I wasn't that, that good. Um, but we used to love having champagne breakfasts with everyone. So when we came up here, we decided, well, let's watch this thing on TV. And every morning after I had finished, I did my 10 and I said, no more. I mean, it's absolutely, it's a crazy race. Um, uh, and only the crazy keep on doing it. Uh, and, and so uh, every year thereafter, we would sit up here in Johannesburg, which is six hours away, and, and have breakfast and wake up with with everyone uh, as they got up at the start and we would have our champagne breakfast while everyone started and watched the race from here. The best way to do comrades, I can only tell everybody. <laughs> now, um, when we, uh, when, we had, when we were at the conference, uh, the Wisdoms Conference in April, um, I, during, during some of the, uh, you know, the interaction, I remember you mentioning the name Wally Hayward. So I looked oh, that yes. name up. Yep. And um, tell me a little bit about Wally Hayward, because on my on my uh, notes here, it says that Wally won the race five times, but he got seven medals between 1930 and 1989. So I'm intrigued to know. I mean, that's 
That's nearly you know, that's the, fifty-nine the, year span of um, you know from first the first time he ran it to the last time. So well, you know, did he run it fifty-nine times or? No, you know, I happened to actually run with him on his first year. I think he was about seventy-nine when I ran. It was probably about eighty-eight, um, and and it was his first comeback. And it was as a result of Bruce Fordyce. I mean, Bruce Fordyce, an absolute legend. I think he won uh, the Comrades nine odd times. And it was during the time period that, that I was running um, uh, from Alan Robb uh, handing over the title to perhaps Bruce at that particular time. And, and there was some tussle between Bruce, uh, you know, it was banter between Bruce and Wally Haywood uh, as to who was the best of all time. And at that stage, I think Wally uh, had the most number of medals at five, and then Bruce started taking over. And Bruce must have probably been in his 30s, um, maybe, yeah, uh, probably in his 30s. Uh, and Wally was 79 when he made his comeback. Um, and, he, and he came out of a retirement home, and I happened to run with him for the last sort of a third of the race in a whole little bus. I mean, uh, we were blown away. Um, and But he was running well. Uh, you know, if I'm not mistaken, he probably did this thing in about nine and a half hours. And I said, no, forget it. I'm not sticking with this old guy. Uh, he's 79. I must have been probably about 30, 33, 34 at the time. And I wasn't going to get old overnight. I probably, <laughs> most of my remaining runs, I finished with about... Um, 10, 15, maybe five minutes to spare. In fact, one of them, I had 90 seconds to spare. My wife cuffed me with her handbag at the end of that. Uh, I've never been so bruised um, because people hate to wait for you over that period of time and watch you fall over the line. So, uh, Wally, 79 at that time, it was unheard of. Uh, and he looked so strong. Uh, and I think he did it the next year, and he became the oldest man ever to do it at 80. Uh, sure. And then from there, he called it quits. Wow. Well, when I was doing the research, uh, Trevor, the other the other name that uh, popped up was a guy in the 20s called Arthur Newton, oh, yes. who, who won it five times in the early yeah. days. And the reason it got on my radar was because at the time, I was, I've, been, I've just finished reading a book a colleague of mine sent me about Arthur Newton. Yes, he was uh, an English guy and went to live in South Africa, had a farm in South Africa in the 20s and started running, you know, in his late 30s, early 40s and wanted to yep. become the best distance runner in the world to try and get profile for for things that were going on around him at the time. So, um, yep. yeah, it's amazing how that came across. So now you put together a little post on LinkedIn a, a little while ago, which you kindly sent me and you said to become a comrades runner, one has to have a dream. And then you listed a few things to uh, to make that dream happen. So, do you want to share a couple of bits of that with us, Trevor? Your sort of like your your guide and notes to kind of wrap this up to uh, people thinking about doing the Comrades Marathon. Sure. Well, um, the article that I actually wrote is because uh, because I produce things and articles for Wisdom's the World Center for Life and Business Success. It was um, taking the story of comrades as a metaphor for life. And um, so one of them, uh, really what it said is um, the moment that I'd done the first one, I, really for me, the first one was an adventure. Uh, it wasn't even a dream. But having experienced it and getting to the end of it, you suddenly realize, hey, hang on a moment. Um, 
you know, I can do something that I never thought I could do before. Now, uh, what's the next thing I can do? Uh, well, why didn't you do 10 and get a green number? So uh, the moment I had completed my first one, and I felt invincible, believe me. Uh, you know, I said we were arrogant and young. Uh, once, we, once you finish one, comrades, you know you can do anything in the world. Um, so I then turned around and said, well, that's it. I'm going to do 10. Uh, so I was already committing myself to completing 10 comrades marathons at the end of the first one. And it, and it said to me, you know what? Um, if, if you want to do things, you can do it. You, you just, you know, put it down on paper or write it down into your mind. I was never great at writing things in paper, but I was right, uh, great at committing things into my mind. And you've got to have a dream. And, and the little dream that actually came there was the green number. I, I, I saw the great Moni Kun, um, who, who really... Um, he had a magnificent win in the early 70s uh, when, was it Malone, actually fell over his feet um, and, and Monikun came past him. And, and for some reason, I had this vision of Monikun giving me a green number. And, and uh, on my 10th one, Monikun handed me my green number. Wow. So uh, it, it must be something. So, um, you know, I thought the metaphor of life was, if you have a dream, um, you know, commit to it and you can achieve it. Uh, so that was a little metaphor that came out of comrades for me there. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right, isn't it? You know, and you talked about, you know, the life's ups and downs in the same way the, the comrades has all the hills, as you say, ups and downs as well. And moments, moments, no doubt, in an ultra run where you think, oh, goodness me, I can't I can't carry on. And then, of course, you get over it and you move on and all that sort of stuff. And that's how life is, isn't it, as well? So uh, and, and, and let me tell you, one of the most profound things that came out of comrades for me is just put one foot in front of the other. It doesn't matter. And particularly at this particular time of COVID-19 and how it's affected families and people don't know what's going on. You know what? Uh, this is presenting us with peaks and valleys all around the world, unlike anything that we've, we've ever experienced. It's unprecedented times. I mean, don't look back. It's just put one foot in front of the other uh, is what this is about. We're probably running our greatest ever comrades in life uh, just as we're moving forward in these unprecedented times. And that's, that's what that story of so many uh, value of a thousand hills, all the ups and downs. Uh, you know what? Uh, you go into one down, uh, you put your head down and you climb the next uh, peak and then you hit another down. Uh, and I think that's what we're hitting all in life at the moment. So we've got to work hard and we've got to know we've got to climb hard to get out of this valley right now. So uh, a little metaphor that I took out of it and has prepared me well through everything that I've done. Uh, nothing is ever easy. It's hard work. Uh, great stuff. Well, Trevor, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, in the show notes for the listeners, I will put links not only to the Comrades Marathon official website, but if you don't mind, I'd like to put a link to the link, you know, that article you sent me, which you wrote a few years ago after your, you know, about your adventures on the Comrades. And, uh, and I'll put anything else in the show notes as well about this, you know, as you say, the, uh, you know, the ultimate human race and Great, great link to the fact that, you know, the situation we find ourselves in around the world at the moment, you know, this is the ultimate human race going on at the moment as well, isn't it? So, Excellent. Trevor, what a, what a pleasure to have you on this show. I really appreciate you, uh, you know, beaming in from Johannesburg and sharing all your great insight with our listeners. Thank you very much. 
Thank you very much, Trevor. And uh, really, I just want to um, pass on my compliments to all of your guys in your running group who contributed to a fantastic summit. I think we've even got that link uh, open for people to listen to via Ed Chapman, a well-known name. Uh, I mean, these are serious runners. Don't listen to this guy. <laughs> I'll put that in the show notes as well. Trevor, thank you very much indeed. A pleasure. Well, I hope that's inspired you to think that you could do the Comrades Marathon. You know, I mean, I was li- I was listening to Trevor thinking, oh, well, you know, I've never been to South Africa personally. Um, I, you know, South Africa, I'm a, I'm, cricket is my number one sport, really. And, uh, you know, South Africa, there's a big cricket community there as well. So I'm thinking, oh, you know, could I combine going to watch a bit of cricket, play a bit of cricket, do the Comrades Marathon at some point? Oh, I mean, it, but it does sound daunting. But hey, you know, come on. We've got to set ourselves challenges that are daunting, aren't we? You know, what's, what's life all about if it's not about setting yourself goals and challenges? So if you've got some goals and challenges to run in, then get in touch. Why not come and talk about them on this podcast? Okay, my plan is to keep running 44 at 60 going. I'm not going to change the title because then people will get confused, I think. So the listenership is growing. It's really great. I've seen a real surge in the listener numbers over the last few weeks even. So um, please, you know, share this. If you're listening to this and you enjoy it, please share it with your friends and fellow runners and or, or potential runners. And, you know, share it on social media. That would be fantastic. That would be the best thing that you could do for me in terms of saying thanks very much for producing this podcast, Trevor. So do share it. Do talk about it. That would be amazing. And if you want to come on it, then drop me an email. Best email is probably podcast at trevorleemedia.co.uk or get in touch through, you know, Facebook. I'm on there occasionally or LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, and let's get you on the show to talk about your adventure. Now, the next adventure coming up I'm going to be sharing with you is Edward Chapman. Edward is, uh, again, an extraordinary fella. Edward's only started running uh, when he was about 40 or so. And... Uh, as he will uh, maybe say, he said uh, he was a guest way back when, when he talked to me about the Classic Quarter. But he's going to talk about the, uh, the Kalahari Seven Day Challenge, Desert Challenge, which um, I've got my notes here somewhere. I, I think it's 250 kilometres and you have to be self-sufficient. And Edward holds a record for this because he's completed it, I think I've got this right, 12 times. And that's the most completions by anybody ever. So he is a world record holder on that basis. So he's coming on the show. He'll be the next guest on the show. So look out for that episode coming up sometime very soon. So thanks very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed today. Hope it's given you some more inspiration to get out there and do some running. And hey, maybe target the Comrades Marathon as your big, hairy, audacious goal. So thanks for listening. Do please share the podcast. Leave a review if you can. See you next time. Thanks a lot.